0: It was a wonderful confirmation that the last psalter was uh, 227, which is Psalm 84, was one of my choices, and um, I'll explain in a moment why. It's good to see you again, although many of you I remember to be a little younger. Um, It's good to see you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this opportunity to gather here in this place to hear Thy Word, not only that we would hear the written and spoken Word, but that we might see and know the living Word, the Lord Jesus. Let that, Lord, be our goal, that we may learn to not only have a duty to love thee and to serve thee, but also a delight. Grant, Lord, thy favor, thy blessing, thy Holy Spirit in speaking and listening, and grant that it may be for thy glory good of all of those that are here, that we may be blessed to be a blessing to others. Keep us from sin, forgive us our sin. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the other psalter would have been uh, 163. Two psalms. Before I get into this topic, I want you to Listen just a few verses. If you please open your Bibles at Psalm 63 first. Remember, I said we already sang 84. There's something that is in 84 that's also in 63. Just read the first few verses. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee there's a lot to be said about this but i want to focus on one specific thing right now in verse 1 it doesn't just say my soul but also my flesh longs for god in a thirsty land so it's not only my spirit but my body My entire being longs for God. We all, you and I, have that longing. And without realizing, we all cry for that. But where do we seek it? We all have this big void. This this inward longing, anticipation, expectation. Seek fulfillment, contentment, happiness. Just like the Apostle Paul when he spoke to the Athenians in Acts 17. The altar for that unknown God. You all know about there is a God. And if you read Acts 17 carefully, you'll read that people are stumbling in the dark, as it were, To see where they can find him. It's all created. in The image of God. This is void. And we, you and I, have the privilege that we know the way. Many people that cry for that, that fulfillment. That try this and try that. Won't find it. Unless they know the way. You and I have that privilege. To know the way. same with Psalm 84. It's the same thing. My heart and my flesh. Cry out for the living God. And we read about that man that seeks and finds this. It's called blessed. And I don't know if, if you know it. But the word blessed. Is translated in many other places as happy. To be blessed is to be truly happy. So why is that? Why is that? That this is so clear to you and me, to many Christians, that we're not all running for this. To quench our thirst. The answer is sin. We have our wires crossed. Psalm 37, verse 4 speaks this. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight in anything else, the desires of your heart will not be met. This is our blueprint. Have you ever thought about that? That we were created when we would delight ourselves in God, love him above all, love our neighbor. Our own desires are met. That's what heaven is going to be. Other focused instead of self-focused. But we have our wires crossed, as I said. But thanks be to God, he works to get these wires straightened out. Then we get to the outline. God's decree. Paul in Romans 12, I will not mention all these texts, but just some of them. And you can look them up later and think about it. God's decree. His command. His will. His delight. Paul preaches or pleads with us in Romans 12. He says, I beseech you. I plead with you, Brothers. He's pleading with believers. How much more would he need to plead with those among us who are not yet believers? If he even has to to plead with believers to present their bodies as a living sacrifice. Acceptable to God. Because he says, it's your reasonable service. Makes sense. That's the only sensible thing to do. And to pray for. A living sacrifice. Not like one time running into a burning home and dragging people out. And when you get the last one, you die. People will declare you a hero. But then you're done. It's not a one-time, one-time thing. It's a living sacrifice. An ongoing. Turning away from self to God and then to others. Reasonable, commanded, not just advised, to live a good life, yes, even a perfect life. I don't know how it's with you, but and maybe others, you can identify that many times when I was growing up, I thought that I had to choose between being holy and happy until I discovered. It's the same thing. Holiness is happiness. Perfect. It's another word for holiness. Be holy, God says. Be perfect is repeated several times. Because that means be happy, truly content, and fulfilled. As I said, you would think, oh, people would be running after that. Certainly we, when, when we know this, isn't it? So we will then pray to God. Sacrifice. It says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. That's a text above our outline there. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. What sacrifice can be prayer. can be life. Remember self-sacrifice to sacrifice your life. A living sacrifice. But if you're not saved, if you're not Come to the Lord Jesus and repented of our sins. Your sacrifice is an abomination to God. He would not delight in it. It's repulsive. Forgive me the expression. He would puke at it. Because it's not only unrighteous, but it's unholy apart from Christ. He's revolted and revulsed by us. That's what the word abomination means. Unclean or filthy. Unrighteous. Guilty. Filthy and guilty. That's how we would come to God apart from Christ. He hates it. He's disgusted by it. It says in verse 8, the first just before that, that not only the sacrifice, but also the way of life. Our prayers are life. Abomination to God. No matter how long you pray, or how eloquently you pray, if it's apart from Christ, it's an abomination. So God commands us to be perfect. And we can't. But thanks be to God, he not only gave a command, but also a provision. Not only what, the Ten Commandments, the moral law, but also the how. By way of bloodshedding. That we can be washed and cleansed so we be no longer filthy and guilty before God. But acceptable. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfectly obeyed the law. He perfectly paid the price. Obeyed and paid so that the door and the way is open. Wow, you think. Even more reason to to seek this, right? Not just having your devotions and prayers, and I hope you do it, and come to youth camp, and I hope you come for, okay, you come for several reasons. I know that but also for some good reasons, not just to see your friends and maybe meet somebody that you could live with for the rest of your life. That's, of course, not on your mind. I know that. You come to youth camp for specific purposes, right? I see a lot of you smile. I like that. So Jesus very clearly speaks about these things, and the whole Bible testifies it. Not only our actions, our words, but even our thoughts and our motives. So even in the good things we do, if we don't do it for the right reasons, in the right way. There's one God, 1 Timothy 2, one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. A ransom for all. That doesn't mean that all people are going to be saved. But there is enough for all to be saved. There's not a single reason that any one of you here today should go lost. You know the song about there is power in the blood. Are you pursuing it? You see. We have that longing. In addition to that, God gave us the way. That brings us from God's decree to our duty. From God's command, declaration to our pursuing it. Duty. So come. But how can we come now if we know that we're not acceptable? I already gave a couple of sentences about that, that's through Christ. He calls us to repent. The word repent has everything to do with turning around. Turn and return. That means turn and turn again and again and again. It's not a one-time deal. 1 John one nine, If we confess. Or you can trans- translate it as when we confess. Or whenever we confess. Our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Faithful because he promised it. He'll keep his word. Just because the price is paid. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To forgive us initially and to purge us the rest of our life. Justification, sanctification, we call that. Ultimately resulting in glorification that perfection that we now only can obtain by faith and impart. Faithful, just. Because in 1 John 1, 7, that's why I put 9 first and then 7 in your outline. The reason the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So I'm going to say a very bold statement here. God, if you come to him like that, confessing your sins, putting your trust, and looking to Jesus, he cannot but forgive you. Wow. I'll say it stronger. He must forgive you. Wow. Why? Does he owe that to us? Not at all. But he owes it to his own promise and vow. He would ungod Himself himself. He wouldn't do it. Miserably sinful you are, and guilty you consider yourself to be. He doesn't owe it to us, but to his own word and oath, Hebrews 6, 17 speaks not only about a promise, but also that he swore an oath. He confirmed his promise with an oath. Can God swear and not do it? Who do you believe? Your own thinking? Worldly way? Religious way? Do you believe your doubts, your fears? I'm not just talking to you. I'm also talking to myself. Too many times, my own thoughts and feelings and circumstances push away the word of God, which is sure. So come to him. Every reason. There's no reason not to come. Don't wait till tonight even. Or tomorrow. You don't know if you live. Come even now. No, I don't mean altar calls. You can stay where you are. If you're convicted of your sin, repent and say to the Lord in your own mind, I'm sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I put my trust in thy son. Turn from sin to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Again, Paul pleads, he said, I beseech you as ambassadors from God, emissaries sent to declare, not my word, God's word. We pray, we plead with you in Christ's name. Be ye reconciled to God. For he, God made him, Christ, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? And yet he died for it. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Confess your sins. Even now, for the first time, or again, or again, and again, and again. And he will receive you. Turn, return. It's the best thing you can do. It's the wisest thing you can and must do. So it's about must do. It's about a a duty. It's a command. God commands it. So we must do it. Are you convicted about your sins? Ever? Often? About what you've done? Or not done? It's not only about the things we do, it's also about the things we don't do. Whatever sins of commission we've done (coughs) that we shouldn't have done, or sins of omission, things that we should have done and we didn't do, duties of devotions, one of them. Drinking in broken cisterns. Instead of drinking the water of life. You know when you're thirsty, how when your mouth is dry, how good it is to taste some water. How much more the water of life. You see, if you feel guilty a little bit or a lot or an awful lot, you'll never feel guilty enough. So certainly don't wait to think, okay, am I guilty enough? Am I sincere enough? Confess it! <coughs> You'll never be sincere enough. Because sincerity is not the reason God forgives. Christ is. Of course, there's no excuse to not be sincere. It's quite something you need to think about this. Even the fact that if you feel some guilt right now, even some twinges, some pricks of conscience, already a sign that God has not yet given you over to yourself. That you haven't yet hardened your heart. But don't pursue it because the more you use your hands in hard work, the more callous it will be. So, more pricks of conscience that you ignore, the more callous your heart will be. It's the Spirit's work to convict you, to bring you to Christ. To make you feel bad about yourself. To be feeling good about God. Come to contentment. All that the Father, John six thirty seven, gives to me shall come to me. And him who comes to me I will in no wise cast out. All that the Father gives me, election, shall come to me in time. The main evidence, the main evidence of being elect is coming to Christ. Regardless of the level of conviction. Coming to Christ is what every conviction of the Spirit intends to make us do. His so command and our duty is to come. When? Right now. Always right now. Anytime. Morning, noon, at night. Whenever you are driving around, doing things and convicted, immediately bring it to God. He will not be cast out. Who will be cast out? Those who don't come. Those who neglect those conscience breaks. They'll be cast out. And that brings me to a text that I always find a very solemn reality. Matthew eight twelve. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that outer darkness is speaking about the children of the kingdom who refuse to repent. You are of the children of the kingdom. I assume many of you, most of you are baptized. Some may have done confession of faith already. Some are about to do confession of faith. So you become a child of the kingdom in a sense, just like Israel was a people of God, all were circumcised, but not all saved. Circumcision and baptism doesn't save anyone. It's a great privilege that comes with a great responsibility. Weeping, gnashing of teeth, not only in the awful punishment, dear young friends, that you will suffer if you refuse to repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ repeatedly, in all your weakness, all your sins, but you'll miss out. On something that you would have gotten the perfect answer to that longing, that void that is here. So it's not only that you'll be punished, the negative, but also what you will be missing out on. And that brings us to our third part of that outline. We go from God's decree to our duty to God's delight and our delight. By way of duty. Not because of that duty but by means of it. So I put it in simple a language, simple, simple language. We go from the have to to the want to. I want you to think about that. The way to the want to is going through the way of have to. Decree of God has its root in the delight of God, And we will receive that if by way of duty we turn to this God and receive that delight and share in it. God does not save sinners reluctantly. But you have to come to him in the right way. With repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. He delights to save. He says in Ezekiel 18, have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Says the Lord. And not that he should return from his ways and live. 32, it says, I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, says the Lord God. Wherefore, turn and live. I couldn't be clearer. Turn from sin to God, pleading for his grace and help, and he will Branded. It's a delight. It talks about pleasure. You know what the angels sang when Jesus was born. Good will toward men. You know that that word "will" can also be translated as good pleasure to man. Good pleasure. Good pleasure. it says. Revealed will. Oh, yes, I know that his secret will is only the elect shall be saved. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says it very plainly. But he says those things belong to the Lord. In other words, none of your business. You deal with the revealed will. Very clearly. The secret things belong to the Lord. Our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever. That... may do all the words of his law. That's the revealed will. That's the will we need to deal with. The secret will, keep that in God's hand. He can take good care of it. Don't worry about that. We don't need to meddle with that. So we're commanded to hear and to do what he revealed in his word. That's his revealed will. And it's not only a command, it's also a covenant. Very clearly, an agreement God made with Adam, with Moses, with all his people. A covenant. So it's not only his decree, but it's also his delight. We read about the Father's delight. God speaking at baptism of Jesus and also on the Mount of Transfiguration. Behold my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear you him. In whom I am well pleased, hear him. So if you hear him, that means listen to him. You too will be well pleasing in his sight. The son's delight, Psalm 40, verse 8. I think we sang that Psalter. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. It's the Holy Spirit's delight to reveal the things of Christ. Christ. The Holy Spirit's delight is to convict you, to make you feel bad about yourself, which is a good thing, because it will turn you away from self to God. That's his delight. His delight is not in the first place to convict you, but his delight is in the first place to show you Jesus. God's delight. Another thing I just had such a long time grasping. I always thought that the word pleasure was sin. I always associate, don't you have that? Pleasures of sin. The pleasures of sin. And that's true. But they're not real pleasures. They always disappoint. Always a letdown, No matter how high you climb in that way of finding fulfillment in whatever. So God's delight, God's good pleasure to remove our bad pleasures. In him. Back to Proverbs 15, verse 8. We saw the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. It doesn't say just command. It's his delight. So, what is the prayer of the upright? If there's nobody upright by nature, it's very simple. It's the prayer of the repentant and believing sinner. I want you to to have that thought through. The prayer of the repentant and believing believing sinner. I want you to listen to David's prayer. See if you catch something very remarkable there. About ungodliness and godliness. Psalm 32 verse 5. David says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. My iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. What a confession. Five different times, as it were. He says, Sin, 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 sin. Ungodly, Lord. And then you read in verse 6 For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee. In a season when thou mayest be found. I suddenly at one point in my life recognized it. I said, what? Is this the godly man's prayer? I just thought that this this is the ungodly man's prayer. I know, as it were, if I may put it in my own words, I know. That's how you feel it to be. But from my perspective, this is the godly man's prayer. Because you come as an ungodly one for grace. You see, that opens the door for any and every one of us. Because whatever we can claim, we can surely claim we're ungodly, if you're honest. And God says, if you come as an ungodly one, confessing, repenting, believing, you are considered to be praying as a godly person. Isn't it awesome? Just confess how ungodly you are. me a long time dear young friends to get to this and I'm still only grasping at it don't waste your time Matthew 11 28 29 come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest to your souls who are the ones that are laboring heavy burdened, all of us. What do people do? They labor. They they work hard to get their empty spot filled, making more money, buying more stuff. Or that could be in the way of the world, a worldly way, but it could also be in a religious or pious way, working very hard to please God, both doomed to fail. Either to please yourself won't work. And to please God just by itself won't work either. You see that in these well-known people, comedians, stars. When they get what they thought would make them happy, they just wanted a bit more. Never enough. Never enough, always just a bit more. It's either we pursue a way in unrighteousness and fail, or in self-righteousness and fail. <laughs> you feel you feel excuse me in being bad as well as in failing being good. It's a dead end road of self. God and you'll find rest and the word rest can be also translated as refreshment relief like you sometimes right you and you're very tired and you 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 just go walk a little bit more and you you go to home and you sit down in an easy chair you whew, not only that he will remove the burdens of our sin and leave us then walk without that burden, but also to give us that new life so that we may live that new life. To be upright and holy, accepted by God. When we turn to Christ, lean on Christ, Process, our burdens, and all this includes our prayer. Yes, our prayer opens the way to this life. This is wisdom. We have knowledge. What is the right thing? Wisdom is to actually do it. It's God's delight, His good pleasure to save you. Is it yours? Of course, that brings us to the final part of this outline. Our delight. Our delight. We all know it's our duty to come to God, repent of our sins, put a trust in the Lord Jesus, open that Bible, which is the word of life, it's the water of life, it's the bread of life, it's everything you and I need all the time, it's our compass. good news for bad people? Is that your hope? Is that your delight? Are you pursuing that? It's the best news ever. It's not just the good news, it's the best news. You think everyone, as I said before, I say it again, you would think that people that know this will not only try to get on that way, but walk in it. Could anything be better for now and into all eternity? Now be honest with yourself. You So tell me, you may if you later want to talk with me about it, but speak to God. What's your life like? Do you run to God every day? With delight. go to bed, reading the word, praying. You get up in the morning, maybe sometime during the day, thanking God and praising him for his goodness toward you, that he is so patient with us. Trusting that he will care for you, spare you through the day. And if not, you must stand before him that day that you're ready. Not because you feel any readiness in yourself, but you simply, that's what I define faith to be like. I don't look at my faith. I don't trust in my faith. When I say I have faith in the Lord Jesus, I simply mean that I believe he will do what he said. It's all him. I trust his word. It's my best place. your Bible? Do you use it? If so, wonderful. But do you use it rightly? If not, why not? Is it maybe because you don't feel like it? Or perhaps you do it, but you, but you know you just do it out of duty and not out of delight. Or because you feel guilty if you don't do it. Can you identify with that? Let me be very honest with you. This is my battle. You think your battle? Yeah, still. I must confess. God, unto you that many a time I go to my Bible in the morning, and I don't really feel like it, or I'm distracted by this, and I go to the Bible and I feel guilty for not delighting in it, and I confess it to God, and sometimes He's so gracious He gives me still a blessing. Other times I, I do. Delight in it, but I've had times where I did not feel like it. I did it anyway, and God bless me. And many there was times too that I I looked forward to reading it, and it's just black ink on a page. I cannot dictate God. You see, He always makes it go the way He wants it. You know. I don't know if you uh, were in Grand Rapids a little while ago. If you have heard that sermon, maybe you can listen. Paul Washer, Reverend Paul Washer, preached a sermon in Grand Rapids. And um, (laughs) he said at one point, do you know, he says, what my flesh hates most. My flesh hates most. And he waited. Maybe some of you remember that. So what do you think he said? Famous preacher of the gospel worldwide. You know what his flesh hates most? Maybe you guessed it already. Flesh hates most the reading of the word of God and prayer. My flesh. And that's the same flesh that God created to hunger and thirst after him. So corrupt we are. And when I heard that, I thought by myself, wow, that's brutally honest. Brutally honest can identify with that, can you? You're not alone. Not to excuse that. It is sin to not come to God with delight. But it's better to come in the way of duty than not come at all. That in the way of duty, you might find that delight. It's the path God said before. You know, this is the battle between flesh and spirit. The old man and the new man, the Bible said. The old nature and the new nature. The Apostle Paul struggled with that too. He wrote 20 plus years after his conversion. He wrote Romans 7. The good that I would do, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. And then he says at the end, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this? The body of this death. Who shall deliver me from all this opposing force? I delight to do thy will, O God. It is in my heart, but to do good I find not. Of course, it's better if you come to God, as I said, with delight and anticipation, with joy and love. And I hope you've had some moments of that. Because they come only in the way of duty. You know, you're not only... If you're not having your time with the Lord each day in reading his word, having him speak to you, and you speak to him, and you skip that, you don't even know what you missed out on. Remember that Thomas one day when he was not in the church, he missed out on an appearing of the Lord Jesus. Thankfully, God gave him a second opportunity. But these special moments are far and few between. God doesn't want us to live by feelings, but by faith that produce the feelings. He doesn't want it to rest on anything that's in us, on everything that's in him. So every time I come to God as the sinner who I am and remain in myself, that's the ugly truth about me and about you. There's not one here that can claim any otherwise. When I come to God, some I really was always mis uh, so many misleading thoughts I had. You know, I thought somehow if I felt I had a good day, that God would be more accepting of me than if I had a bad day. <laughs> even my good day fell far far, far short. Even in, even if all my deeds that they were good, what about my motives? My thoughts? When everything is added up, S-I-N, sin. We bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfection. Psalm thirty, If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, who shall stand? A rhetorical question, nobody. But forgiveness with thee. There is forgiveness with thee. So when you go to God to plead with him to forgive you, Don't make that mistake that I made, that I was, as it were, without realizing, trying to persuade God to be a forgiving God. While he, all the time, was a forgiving God already, and pleading with me to receive that forgiveness, that ready forgiveness. You come to God, not as a God whom you have to persuade to forgive you, but to receive that forgiveness that readily is available. He is already ready to forgive before I come, when I come, every time. More ready to forgive me than I'm even to to receive it. Verse 7, it says, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. I don't know if the article, the short article about driving from duty to delight is in your folder. Read it tonight, maybe at, at at your camp or at the campfire. It's a driving from duty to the light. I will not look at it right now. I just want you to be, to be aware of it. From duty, driving from duty to the light. It kind of explains in a different way what I've been trying to explain here. So when we come to God, I want you to, to, to remember this. We have had a good day. Thank him for it. Don't take any credit. When you have a bad day, confess it. You'll be acceptable to God. There's nothing in me that can persuade him. My my reasonings and my thoughts are deceitful. Jeremiah 17 says, deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? No man can know it. Another rhetorical question, but thanks be to God, he does. God himself. And the solution is simple. Come. Come. Confessing, trusting. Are you hearing? Come. Are you thirsting? Thirsty, come. Take, drink of the water of life freely. The only water that can quench the thirst That not only a spirit is yearning for, but even your flesh. Do you realize what we lost in Adam? Not only a spiritual delight in God, but a total being delight in God. My heart and my flesh. We sang Psalm 84, and I would like to sing, um, if we could, um, after prayer. And then we could sing uh, 227. No, we sang that already. It's the other one. 163. 163, which is the one that I started with. And so I'll pray first and then we'll sing. That's all.